What is up, everyone? Good day. This is your host, Dan. We're from Chat with Dan. As always, we got another amazing guest here coming to the show. So you know the drill. Give me a couple of seconds and I'll be right back. So here we go. I think we did it. No, we didn't. Oh, man. Yes. There you go. Perfect. So, can you hear me? Yeah. Yes. Yes, I can. Yeah, you can hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Right. Can you hear me? Perfect. So, yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it, was, it, it was kind of a cutting a little bit, but I think, I think we're good now. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, I think we're good. Yeah. So, um, Elizabeth, thank you so much for being here on the show. Uh, this is another episode of Chat With That. By the way, uh, your 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 session today, this interview, it's the end of season three. So oh. that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Now, before we... Huh? As a season finale, I like it. <laughs> yeah, season finale, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, uh, before we start, I need to give you an epic welcome to the show. So let's go with the cheering effects here. Here we go. You deserve them. And uh, yeah, so before we start with the whole, uh, with this interview, tell me, where does your passion for acting comes from? Well, I've really been doing it for a really long time. Um, mm. Probably since I was maybe 10 or 11 years old, mm. uh, like 20 years ago, uh, that uh, I started just getting into community theater. Um, and uh, getting into musicals that way, as well as uh, straight plays that have no musicals in them, um, and really just got really involved uh, where I currently live in Greenville, South Carolina, so all the way on the East Coast, um, and yeah, just kind of been doing it ever since, Yeah, so that's how I got involved. Oh, cool. <laughs> And so having over 15 years of experience in music performance and stage acting, tell me what are some of the best memories you have like during those, uh, during those performance? Well, um, it almost goes without saying like the people you meet. Um, some of my best friends are in, uh, in music and in theater and um, really being able to uh, bond with someone who has a similar passion. That's a mm. huge thing. Um, and all the fun personal memories, inside jokes that you get from yeah. that. But in terms of as an artist, it's extremely fulfilling um, to be able to tell stories, you know, and stories yeah. that <laughs> they can be fantasy or they can be real or anything in between but as long as the story itself is true to like the mm. the way we live life into the human yeah. experience it's worth telling because there's always somebody who writes in or who comes up to you and says you know that story really read me or that reminded me of someone who would love to hear this and that to me is some some of those best moments are when mm that the story meant something and it's not always a dramatic story that does that um sometimes it's comedies too because you can learn things from all sorts of ways of telling a story but that's really that's when you know like okay i'm doing the right thing you know um even though it may not pay a lot or have insurance or whatever yeah. it may be <laughs> like that's oh no, it's ultimately really important so those are some of my favorite memories like people just coming up and saying how much what we do a lot you know in music or in theater yeah wow and what is the thing that you like the most about uh, stage acting well beyond that um i definitely do enjoy um The process of getting to know a character, um, it's, it's really interesting. 
very much like almost like you're doing your own interview with mm. a character, asking them, you know, what do you like to eat and what do you, you know, think about this and what are yeah. your goals teams and how are what tactics are you going to use to get those goals and and so it's almost like you're doing an interview getting to know somebody even though they may be mm. a fictional character and it's always really interesting to thing about yourself you know too and that goes for not only a character in a show but also like a, a character of sorts when you're singing um you know, if there's some sort of narrative element to it, or even if it's just, you know, a song about heartbreak or joy or anger, you're trying to identify, like, you know, what is it about this particular song or story, you know, can I can I learn even more about to make it more convincing? So that's usually, I like to, I like to get into the nitty gritty of things. So that really yeah. appeals to me. That's really yeah. cool. So, so basically, like, those little details are the ones that you enjoy the most. And, like, um, so basically also that you pretty much get the chance to know more about yourself while discovering a character, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And things that yeah. are surprising. Um, yeah. yeah, things that, you know, say if the character struggles with jealousy, and I wouldn't see, I would be like, oh, and most people are like, oh, I'm not a jealous person. Like, we never want to think we're you know, <laughs> yeah. have negative qualities. But when you identify with something that the character does, even if you know it's not the best decision, you're like, oh, that's a good thing to, to learn about myself. Like, you know, yeah. if, you know, if I were this character, I might be doing the same thing and I better not do that, you know? So it's also like, yeah, that sort of mode of self-discovery to... Yeah. yeah. And tell me, how do you, how uh, you will usually prepare uh, before going on stage? Well, in going on stage, I tend not to get very nervous. Mm. Um, <laughs> I tend to get nervous, like in big crowds of people or not, like I'm typically pretty introverted. So those sorts of situations make me very nervous. But yeah. on stage, it's I don't know why. Maybe it's because my lines are scripted and I, I don't know. Um, but it's um, – so I don't typically get nervous that way. But I do really like to – when I'm about to go on stage, I usually do, like, a lot of quiet time. Like, I don't like to be too distracted. Um, sometimes listening to music, actually. Um like on my phone or something that kind of gets me into the mood of whatever it is I do. Like if it's something more lighthearted, more lighthearded music yeah. and dramatic music, but I do enjoy my quiet time and kind of focus. Um, and, but I, yeah. And I think if I don't do that, then I feel like I haven't, it's like a ritual. Like I haven't gone through the <laughs> ritual. So That's typically I prepare lots of quiet time, you know, music's a huge aspect of it. Even when I'm about to perform music, usually yeah. I don't have own music I'm about to, it's like something else random. Like if I uh, perform like arias from an opera or whatever, mm. I usually will like Led Zeppelin or something, like something totally different. Um, just to kind of, I don't know, get out of my head a little bit. But yeah. yeah. Oh, that's really cool. And um, any advice that you could give to upcoming uh, stage actors? Well, um, study, study, study. Um, there are some people who just make it big, you know, whatever that means, whether or not it's Hollywood mm -hmm. or getting into whatever they want to do yeah. um, by sheer luck. Um, but... Most everyone else is not like that. Most successful people you see in film or on stage or in Broadway or whatever it is, they worked really hard to get there. Um, and so they learned as much about craft as they could. 
Um, so working with other great actors, working with other great directors, um, or if it's in the area of music, working with great teachers in that area too, like just learn as much as you can, study it, absorb it, you know, cause there's always something you can do better. Um, really a lot of my, some of the greatest, um, acting teaching I've gotten has been in a middle of a rehearsal with a great director and with mm -hmm. other great that you can talk to. So surrounding yourself with quality people and learning as much as you can about it. Um, it's not necessarily get an agent or do this, although those technical things, eventually you may want to do that, but yeah. there's no point in get, doing any of that if you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> So that's my, you should just study it, absorb it, work with great people. And that'll be a great start for anybody wanting to get into that. Great. I agree with that one. And moving on with your career, you also do voiceover. Now, tell me, what made you wanted to, um, to start doing voiceover? It was interesting. I used to be um, an upper school teacher, so teaching uh, high school and middle school age students. Um, like from 12 to 18 years old and I was teaching class and mm. I had someone come in who worked, started theater, went into film, but he also went into voiceover okay. and came into my class twice to speak. And the first time was about voiceover. And I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Mm. And I had always casually About it, but I just, you know, teacher life, it's not easy to balance that unless you really want to do it. Yeah. But when he talked about the process and he talked about really the best people who do well in voiceover are start out like with an acting background. It's not, oh, I have a nice voice. It's yeah. they express themselves and to mm -hmm. read something and know what the tone should be. And so he talked about the process and everything like that. And I thought, I could do that. And it was, <laughs> and, it was kind of, um, and I say that because, because I had all of that experience. Yeah, you already like, had the background, yeah. Masters in theater, a master's in voice, actually. So it's not, e um, not even just acting. It's also like my first master's was in was in vocal performance. So it's like specifically the voice was yeah. focused in music. I'm like, well, I could maybe combine the two and um, really pursue a lot of this because when I got more into teaching, I was able to be in shows, traditional theater, less mm -hmm. and less time consuming. And unless it was the summer or other yeah. times off. So I was like, this would be a great way to also fulfill that part of me. Um, and to really keep all of those skills sharp. Um, so that was really him coming in, talking to my students about it. I was like, I can do this because I have all that checklist of things. And yeah, yeah. So... So from there, I talked to him about, you know, how how would you recommend I do this? Do you think this is a good idea? Because you definitely want to make sure, talk to people who've been in it before you just jump into it and say, do you think fit or what do I need to do? And he talked, he said, no, you'd be a great fit because of all of that. It So, yeah, so that was, it was really because of him. And that's really awesome that, you know, that worked out kind of that way I just kind of went for it after that and yeah. did a lot of research yeah. oh cool and what are some of the challenges you had to overcome when you started doing uh, voiceover definitely um, definitely um, I would say money I do have to say mm -hmm. that in terms it's 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 an investment uh, equipment yeah. and equipment is um a big deal um yeah. and so doing something 
that would be appropriate for a beginner, like, you know, beginner level equipment, but that was able to give still good quality sound. And mm. so researching that, I like researching things. So that was fine. But then the mm. affording was, was something else. And so, and learning the setup, um, even to this day, probably my weakest with voiceover is um, the production aspect of it in terms mm. of and making sure not to over edit that's thing you know it's that's that's still um something I'm much better at than I was three years ago really started this Mm -hmm. but challenge for anybody um so that was really the biggest thing like just appropriate equipment for the funds and then later investing in better things that that was really the the main thing because with voiceover you really can't just do it on your phone mic or with like you, you just can't it's not going to mm-hmm. be the quality that will get you hired to do things so yeah, that's a that's little true. bit especially if i know people who are very talented and could easily do voiceover but it's just they just have to save up that money first um or find someone to invest in them and um to get that going. Yeah. And that's always a big challenge. And also I think that it, that it might happen sometimes that, uh, I mean, I just said that you are, that you like to do research because sometimes it might happen that you will buy this microphone that apparently is super nice, but then when you check it and when you have it, then you realize it was, it was one of the worst mistakes you, you commit because it was not really worth it, you know? Yeah, or or it's like even if the equipment's great, you're not skilled enough yet to know how to use it effectively. So it's just kind of wasted. So it's yeah, it's it's hard to find that. And really, the best way to tackle yeah. that is ask people who've been in the industry for a while what is the best you know equipment I can invest in would get me hired, but also not be wasted on where I am right now. You know. Yeah too fancy you know it's going to be terrifying and you're not going to end up using it but you know eventually eventually you'll get there but it's hard not to be distracted by the pretty shiny equipment for sure yeah, I, know what you mean. <laughs> i know what you mean yeah <laughs> yeah um now some of the audiobooks that you did are spider's web uh, nocturne house the fight for the past first contact uh athedro and tons more mm-hmm. so From all of those books, which ones you enjoy the most? Um, well, I would have to say um, I enjoyed all, like, I have to do the blanket. Like, they're all great. Go buy them. Um, but I am very drawn to uh, science fiction and um, fantasy yeah. uh, genres. Not only in my personal life when I'm just picking to read, but also I tend to be sought out for those books, which is so interesting to me because you look at me or whatever, you don't think that, I don't know, like I, you know, you think theater kid or music kid, probably maybe not doing all of that sort of thing, but yeah. Um, so with all of those, most of the time that's mm. the genre, do but i've really enjoyed working with um an author named london clark um and she uh i've worked with her quite a bit i just finished her book the neighbor which is different from the i did with her that was based on modern haunted houses that's where nocturne Mm. house was the last book in that one um and the neighbors equally equally creepy Uh, really great, um, and I've really enjoyed working with her because not only do I get opportunities to do these really fun voices and yeah. uh, delve into some really dramatic, supernatural stuff, but also it it usually has a really good message to it without being preachy, right? You know, yeah. no one wants that, but it's it's like the character always learns grows as a person and that's the whole point you know even with all 
supernatural and, you know, like vampires or demons or whatever it is. The whole point is that this person grows through it and um, learn interesting about themselves and about the world. And she does a really great job of, um, of setting that up in a way that even people who aren't typically into fantasy or natural in books would enjoy. So I really enjoyed hers. I also really enjoyed the work I've done for R.A. Lewis. Mm -hmm. um, and she does too, but they're more young adult um, fiction. So for younger readers, um, and the trilogy I'm doing for her right now deals with dragons, a dragon princess, and how she's discovering herself. And I should say a dragon rider princess. She's not a dragon, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it's like, so I really enjoyed getting to narrate that kind of stuff because you get to try out all these different characters, yeah. voices, situations that you wouldn't typically in your school or play, you know, so that's been really cool. I've especially enjoyed working with those two authors. That's so awesome, man. And tell me... um Like, how do you prepare to play a character? I mean, how you come up with a voice, yeah, like with a proper voice tone for each, uh, for each character that you have done? Well, it's, um, the first thing is really, I always have to watch myself that I am not hurting myself <laughs> vocally. You mentioned yeah. in the beginning. Uh, or, well, before we started this um, interview, you were talking about you know, the process of talking with other voice actors, um, taking care of their voice, and, you mm -hmm. know, being in music, vocal music, such a long time, that's like second nature to me, but it's still difficult because, mm -hmm. for example, the one that I just finished, which was The Neighbor, has, you know, demons and, like fun, sexy neighbors and whatnot who are yeah. thin. Obviously, I'm not, you know, I am a woman, so my voice is not going to sound exactly like but I still want to capture that. So it's trying to find the balance between sounding like these things but not killing myself. <laughs> so it really just takes a lot of experimentation. Um, trying to... Um, really warm up before you start yeah. narrating or even before you start experimenting with what the voices will be. You should never really just wing it and be like, Oh, I'm just gonna, you know, narrate and see what happens. Yeah. But at the same time, there is a little bit of winging it like where you should go in prepared, but you should also go in open to changing things. If it's just not working. Yeah. Um, so really warming up, really making sure you are delving into, you know, asking what the author might want to. Some authors are very open, like you do whatever you want to. I totally trust you. And some authors are very particular about yeah. what they like. And so you're working, you, you are working for them. You're an independent contractor for them. And so within a reason, you should try to accommodate what they want. Um, yeah. So that's something to consider too. Um, and so all of that to say, like say this most recent book did involve demonic spiritual entities, ghosts, etc. cetera. Um, a lot of times the narration itself, like the text of the book will give you, or a well-written book, will give you a hint as to what they're going after. Um, they'll say something like his gravelly voice. And you're like, okay, so there has to be some edge to it. Um, and as a vocalist, we call that like vocal fry, where it kind of goes mm -hmm. the, uh, that kind of quality to yeah. it. Um, which as a whole, you shouldn't be speaking like that all the time. It's really not very good for your voice. But to kind of balance that with, like keeping things nice and open up there as a vocalist, you know, that yawning effect 
where um, you can kind of keep the voice fairly protected even as you're doing hints of graveliness. You can't yeah. do an entire gravelly, like, you know, it's just not possible without hurting yourself unless you just <laughs> sound like that, um, like Clint Eastwood. Or, um, but we all can't be Clint. Um, yeah, right. So it's, again, finding balance. There is experimentation, but the experimentation should be healthy and it should it should be open like you there've been times where i've really wanted to pull off a certain effect but i just can't and i have to realize my voice doesn't do that how can i change it and sometimes that's actually the best way to find some really great options that not only keep your voice healthy but also maybe even be better than what you think. So yeah, of course. all really long answer for <laughs> the process. A lot of it's experimenting, preparing, keeping it healthy, more or yeah. less. No, but, but, but I, I mean, I, I think it really, yeah, it, it's really interesting. Like, like all the process that it's going to, that it will take for nail, like that perfect voice for each, uh, for each character or, Yeah, so I, I think it's super interesting also because yeah, as I said before, that your voice is like your like your most important thing at that at that moment, and you need to be extra careful not to harm it or to cause some damage. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. and but growing up in um, vocal music, like I would hear from several teachers, you know, your body's your instrument, like you know, like. It's not like a violin that I can just pack away or a guitar that I can put as, you know, your body's your instrument. You use the whole body to produce this sound and you have yeah. to take care of it. And so that's why it's equally frustrating when even if you're just a little stopped up, some, sometimes you can push through it and it won't affect the sound on the recording. Mm. But sometimes, oh man, I sound like a different person or I sound like I'm speaking like this. Yeah, and so you're yeah. like, I can't. Right? So that's frustrating. So it's, it can be frustrating. It's cool that my body's my instrument. It's also, you know, something different to work around than your average instrument, for sure. Yeah. Wow. And tell me, what is your approach for each uh, audiobook? I mean, what's your goal on each, on each uh, performance that you do? Well, you know, it's really similar to when we were talking about stage acting um mm. the type of projects i choose or how i prepare for that or what my goal is my goal is to tell a good story yeah. and story worth telling you know um and with most all my audiobooks you know there are some that you know just like different characters there's some audiobooks that resonate with me more than others mm. um especially breaking into audiobooks. Um, initially, the, initially, the books you may receive contracts on um, may not always be what you expect um, or mm -hmm. maybe the quality that you want because a lot on Audible, which is yeah. what I mainly do, like with Find Away Voices and private um contracts too but typically there's you know like it's the more the more experience you have the more uh clout you're gonna have to get some of these really great works um when you're starting out you know you kind of have to work through uh maybe some that aren't that are also just starting out too I'm trying, I'm trying to do it the best, most diplomatic way possible. <laughs> yeah. but, but I would have to say, especially being in this for a few years, you do get to that point where you can really, you know what to look for um, in terms of what's going to be a good story. I think you also, um, uh, what I tend to look for is someone who grows. Um, and you would think that would be, a normal part of the story. It should be, but sometimes some books, the character doesn't really change much. Yeah. 
you know, it's black hair, you know, that's what they call it in literature. And you're just like, I don't know. Like, I think there should be an arc of change, right? And so that's what I look for, a really strong arc of change. You know, what do they learn about themselves, you know? And, and um, so usually I ask, like, hey, can I, can I look at the book first and everything? Like, mm -hmm. don't be afraid getting into voiceover, especially audiobook, to ask that, you know, to see, is this really a project I want to put myself into? Um, it took me a while to learn how to do that, like ask to look at it, see if it's yeah. a good fit. I think also, as an aside, um, you do have to really through what you're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. um, especially when it comes to, you know, some people are very hesitant about language, like, you know, strong language or um, sensual content. Yeah. Um, or even if just the message of the book is something you're like, oh, man, I really don't agree with. Like, you know, sometimes there are books out there you're like, oh, man, I really don't think that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. happens. So it's important to don't be afraid to look at the book first, skim through it, see what's going on, and and really do decide, am I comfortable with conveying this? For mm. me, um, it's it's very much a sensual, sensual sexual content. If it is not serving the story at all, like if it's kind of just in there to be like, ooh, shock and awe and... I'm going to get more readers this way, which will, I mean, you know, but if it's not really serving story, if it's just like too much, especially me, cause this isn't my only job, you mm. know, um, it's, you know, I, I still pursue like, uh, call like teaching in college education and stuff like that. Sometimes you just have to be like, not really appropriate for that, but you know, like, and so it's better to work through that before you start yeah. a book than to be like, yo, I'm not comfortable with that. and the author has to find someone who is or, you know, whatever it may be. And that's just something that you don't typically think about. You don't think out, you don't think about, you know, when you're reading a book, just like casually reading a book versus reading aloud a book, you're like, oh, that's. Yeah. What am I comfortable saying? It's the same thing with like staying not comfortable doing certain things, saying certain things. You got to think through that and, you know, respect your own boundaries, but also let other people know so you're kind of not throwing them for a loop either because it can be equal to find a totally new person for narrating a book if you all, all of a sudden not comfortable. Like, I mean, it throws off a timeline. It's just being courteous to yourself and to others to kind of really know what it is you're comfortable doing. Absolutely. So, yeah. So I just figure anyone who's watching this or will watch this, who's interested, that's definitely something to think about because sometimes after a while you'll be like, Oh, okay. <laughs> what am I going to do with this? Or, um, do I want, to, do I not? Or, you know, all sorts of stuff. So, yeah. Absolutely. And what would be your your uh, your top five on on yeah on your favorite books? Um, favorite books I've narrated or books in general? Both. But, okay, um, that's good. I'll I'll go with what I've narrated. My top five books. I will have to say my favorite one, not only how well I think I did like, mm. to stuff I did two years ago versus now. I mean, there's really, like, it's always hard to listen to things from a while ago. And you're like, Oh, you know, things yeah. I would change else would probably, I would have to say the neighbor is probably my, that's number one. Mm -hmm. um, I think really, to myself narrator there and the book is really cool. Um, number two I have to say Nocturne House okay. also by 
work. She's she's just getting a lot. Of uh, which is a part of her um, haunted house series that I've suddenly forgotten the name of the official name of the trilogy. Anyway, um, number three, I think Born of Embers mm-hmm. by R.A. Lewis. That's the part of the Dragon Rider trilogy. Really fun, really um, lots of coming of age stuff in there. So it's kind of nice. I like to recommend that to younger um, listeners, uh, especially if they're like, you know, because the London Clark stuff can be very heavy in terms of like scary content. So I'm like, if you want to sleep at night, maybe don't <laughs> listen to that yet. You know, 15 years old. Instead, listen yeah. to, you know, writers and things. It's fun. Um, number four. I would have to say oh gosh Mm-mm. it's it's hard to think about it um <laughs> I do really like hmm trying to get it's so sad I've done so many I'm like I have to look at the actual names of the (laughs) (laughs) before I tell you that happens yeah Um, I really liked Ethereal Ethereal is one I've only done one book by this author Carrie Reed it was really very good it's also more young adult um, focused Mm. Um, also has to deal it's kind of steampunky or, but it's kind of like there's like a science-based world and like a magic-based world, and they're kind of at odds. It's very interesting, very fun. Okay. Um, and then I think number five would be Wickering Place, another London Clark. Um, and that's also within that Haunted House trilogy that she does. Legacy of Darkness, that's what it is. Legacy of Darkness, that's the, the trilogy name. Um, so, yeah, those have really been my top ones in terms of quality of the work mm-hmm. and uh, narration I really feel like I connected to. Mm. Uh, for sure, yeah. That's so awesome. All right. Um, okay, now before we continue, we have one coming here from Cozy Valley. Hey. Uh, make sure you follow Cozy Valley. She's an amazing person. She's been in through pretty much all of my episodes. So thank you for tuning in again. Um, hey, Cozy Valley. <laughs> <laughs> and back to the back to the interview. So you got first place two times for Reader's Theater, one for poet, one for poetry interpretation at the SCSPA festival several times. Now tell me about that experience. I mean. Like, how does it feel? I mean, I'm telling you that because you only have more than I've received in my life. And that's, and that's really sad. And that's kind of sad, by the way. Um, <laughs> it was for, in my previous job, for making calls. Like, a lot of phone calls I needed to do. So I, I got an award for that. But uh, that, that was pretty much the only one that I got. <laughs> that's so sad. Part <laughs> is an award. Yes. Well, so. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's true. All of the rest of the time that I that I that I pretty much got an award, or I was close to get an award, either in uh, sport competitions, either I got injured, or I didn't went to the final, and then the team won, but I wasn't in the ceremony, so I wasn't in the picture. So yeah, that, that happened to me a few times. But anyway, um, but yeah, tell me about that experience. Um. So. It's interesting. Um, Reader's Theater is a really cool um, type of performance. It's essentially you are narrating, but you do it with multiple people. And so in the competition setting, you can also just do it as a performance. In the competition setting, um, there's usually a lot of uh, choreographed movement and playing with voices mm-hmm. and writing out the script so that it kind of flows amongst like from actor to actor. 
And you're supposed to hold your notebook there, but still see your face, but hold your notebook there like you're actually reading and narrating, but still maintaining okay. eyes. So it's like a very interesting, um, it's basically like taking an established story, making it more of a script, but still keeping that storytelling element to it. So um, I love Reader's Theater, and there aren't a lot of places that anymore but really a lot of the skills I learned doing readers theater helps me tremendously doing voice acting um, so I've also coached readers theater so not only have I won as a performer but I've also coached um, other students um, who've won in it and I it's really cool to see how much they grow to love it as much as I did when I was, you know, a student in high school and college and things like yeah. that. Um, so it's, it really is like, it's like storytelling. Gotta have that, you know, it's like opening the book and saying, here's our story. But yeah, one really cool readers theater I participated in was a readers theater version that we put together ourselves of I'll tell heart by Edgar Allan Poe. Okay as we all know. And if you don't know, I would strongly encourage you to check out that short story. Um, so there's many cool things you can do because in the short story, it really is just like the old man with the eye that bothered the crazy dude who's the main character. Um, yeah. The police, really, what is, so it's like four people, more or less. But we made it into the, the narration we made voices in his head. So I was one of the voices. Another girl was another voice. And so we would like say things with him at the same time and taunt him. But it's all coming from the actual story. We're not making up wow. new lines. Okay. But it was a real effect. Um, kind of adding to the madness. You can kind of do cool things like that with readers theater when you have multiple narrators versus just yeah. you. And um, so, yeah, I, uh, and so I try to do that. I tend to gravitate towards creepy or unusual stories for Reader's Theater. I did an adaptation of The Lottery by Shirley Jackson, which, again, another short story. If you haven't read it, you've got to read super creepy, like dystopian, yeah. crazy, but so worth it. Um, that I adapted and my uh, students placed for that one as well. They did a great job. Um, we also did a reader's theater from uh, The Hobbit, um, oh, which of oh. course the aficionado should know. Um, and yeah, so there's like a lot of great things you can do with reader's theater. Um, that, in fact, uh, yeah, that... I, it's something that I think we should bring back more so into just casual, mm -hmm. like, stage performance. It's usually more just in a competition setting. I think it's great, you know, all sorts of ways. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, how cool is that? And you also earned Outstanding Actor uh, Award for the role as the princess. So uh, tell me about that experience as well. That was actually in the context of a reader's theater, which is interesting. Okay. Um, and, uh, this was for a, a reader's theater of another short story. Short stories are great, uh, fodder for like putting together a reader's theater for sure. Yeah. Um, a story called Lady and the Tiger, um, where this princess falls in love with a man, um, but her father does not approve. And so mm. she, he puts him into the ring, as it were, um, and says, okay, either he's going to die by a tiger, you know, or if you pick the tiger option, or he's going to be given in marriage to a lady. Mm -hmm. And you, the princess, have to choose between the two. Like, would you rather see him live but marry someone else, or would you rather see him die yeah. in a horror? And so um, I was the princess in that instance who wasn't your typical, like, Disney princess-esque in terms of she had a lot of uh, dark and selfish and, like, you know, she was really debating this. I don't yeah. know. 
I don't want him to be with anybody else. So what do I choose? You know, so very interesting story. So I actually was given a a special, a typical award. Um, They don't typically give outstanding actor awards unless the judge were just were like, we have to give this actor something to, so that's, they gave that to me, which was very, uh, very flattering. Um, very humbling too, because I was working alongside some really great, great actors and narrators. Um, so that's what that is from. So the princess from the lady or the tiger, um, which is another, again, kind of weird, interesting short story <laughs> that I participated in narrating. So yeah, that was a very cool experience. Um, and wow. uh, yeah, so. Wow. And moving on, you also do singing. Now let's talk about your singing career. So from the reel you have on your website, we can check a lot of songs such as Feeling Good, You Want Me, Lay Down Your Head, and tons and tons more. So out of all of the songs that you, yeah, that you sing, which, uh, tell me, how do you prefer your voice for singing and which are the ones that you uh, enjoy the most? Um, um, singing it's very much like voiceover it's almost more formalized for me um but you know hydrate lots um water is your friend um some people will try these things like if you're gunky drink pickle juice or all these other things i'm like don't do that just drink water (laughs) (laughs) it may work it may for some people or like really very sick that or whatever I'm like well sometimes if you strip um you know the natural uh saliva and other coatings away it will actually Mm. come back double um if you strip it with something as harsh and astringent as um something like pickle juice or other vinegar based you know thing like so I'm like really just water water with lemon and ginger teas that are mental they aren't gonna like it's not like down like chewing on some ginger and going like it's a lot um but uh hydrating a lot and vocalizing um doing your dough rate whatnot um there's uh a lot of breath support that goes into it as well just like with voice acting and audiobook narration And so really working on how not to clench and strain when you're singing in order to get support, but rather a lot of it's isolated ab um, workout, like really singing. If you sing most of the time for an hour, you like burn a hundred calories. Like it's, it's actually the workout. Um, But some gentle, um, you know, working on support from the breath, like being able to uh, make sure you keep the lungs expanded for longer. Mm. Because when we're just breathing normally in or out, we're not having to think about, oh, I need to hold my breath and sing out at the same time. Like, it's kind of weird. So you have to learn how to do that without losing supporting any super breathing. Eventually you can't just, you can't produce sound anymore. So hydrating a lot, doing a lot of um, vocal exercises, which like on YouTube, if you're just casually looking at the singing or just warming up the voice, there's tons of different um, uh, resources on YouTube for some good quality, simple, you know, singing warm-ups, um, stretching a lot, um, and yeah, kind of working on a lot of breathing exercises too. So that's usually what I do. Hydrate, vocalize, and breathing exercises are some of the biggest things. Um, and again, YouTube is a great resource for all sorts of stuff like that. Or Vimeo, you have that too. Like There are a lot of really good quality people um, that just get you started with that um, if you're looking into doing that. So that's really 
warming it up, warming up the voice, very, very similar to warming it up for narration um, and keeping it healthy. And don't get slack. It can be very easy to be like, oh, I don't need to warm up for this. But then your voice gets so tired because you didn't, you didn't mm. warm it up. You didn't do it. So, so those are, those are my three things like hydrate, vocalies. Well, in the voice world, we call them vocalies is vocal warmups, breathing warmups too. And that'll, that'll help all of that sort of connect. So. Okay. That's really, that's really awesome. And do you usually, for example, let's say that you, um, so you will do in a day, would you do singing and also voice, uh, voice over, or just like one day you will do singing the other day you will do voiceover like, or yeah. Like how you do it? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I try to keep them separate. Um, I think you can do them both in the same day. Like if you have, like I sometimes will sing uh, with a concert choir or whatever. Like if you're going to sing that day, you know, um, you could. But I try not to wear out the voice, especially yeah. if you're in narrating as really long chapter or it's very vocally involved, like in terms of voices or weird voices so really just don't don't try to push your voice um and uh you can tell like if you're starting to not even just get a little gravelly um or scratchy in the throat but also um your voice starts to break a little bit that's when you're like oh i'm not hydrating enough or my voice is just tired give it a break, listen to your body. So typically I don't do them both at the same day, but some people are like powerhouses and can do it with no problem. I am not one of those people. So um, typically I don't do them the same day. I try to okay. alternate or I'm okay. not out. And tell me any advice that you could give to someone who starts um, singing and someone who starts doing uh, voiceover. Well, really, um, My answer to the last question, yeah, um, listen to your body, take care of yourself, hydrate a lot. Again, water's your friends. Water's amazing. Drink lots of water. Um, and don't, don't wear it out. Like, don't feel like you have to push yourself to do everything, singing and voiceover in the same day. Usually you're just gonna, you know, overuse is a problem, you know, your vocal cords can get a bit swollen when you do that and that can affect the sound of your voice just really take care of yourself um and do ask for more time than you need on the turnaround of a book mm. always i had to always ask for more time than you need so that you can if your voice is not feeling up to par one day or you really rest you get a cold it's just not going to sound good you have time to do that without having to reschedule it five times, <laughs> reschedule, yeah. you know, I push the due date for this book. Just give yourself more time than they need. If they insist on a fast turnaround, they may not also be insisting quality work. So just keep that in mind. You know, always think about, got to keep it healthy. If it's not happening today, it's not happen happening today. Listen to your body and you should be okay. Sounds like a plan. That's awesome. And <laughs> tell me, if you could do the voiceover for any movie, TV show, oh. or, or even a video game, why not? Which ones you would choose? Um, anything Star Trek. I love Star Trek. <laughs> and, you know, since there's so many, you know, spinoffs and different franchises for Star Trek, you know, they they have, you know the original animated series, they have Star Trek Lower Decks or, you know, kind of the goofies yeah. at Star Trek. I would love to do anything like that. Um, I would love to get into more voice acting for animation. And it's a very niche community. Um, I have been shortlisted one or two times to audition for one, but have never quite made it. So um, to me, I'm like, I've been shortlisted. That's all I need that I could... <laughs> possibly be considered without even getting it is a huge deal to me but um i would love anything like that of course they got star trek video games like i anything like that would be very related cool. to star um, trek. 
Oh yeah. So Star oh. Star Trek, you could cover a whole gambit of video game, movie, uh, animated series. I'm all about that. That would be cool. That would be really epic. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you know, I think like also like with with um. Like with how technology is going these days, you know, and the fact that now video games and animated series, they look really, yeah, they they look really good. So at some, so I think that 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 has also give the opportunity to um, to you guys to have like more 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 opportunities and at the same time to play so many different uh, characters, you know, and to be um, as you said before that. That you could play as a demon or as a monster, and you need to do like voices and everything. And I mean, that's just really cool because you you are just you. You don't you don't have to uh, like to dress up or nothing. You can be pretty comfortable. You just need to do the voice, which at the same time, of course, it is really exhausting. But that's really awesome, and and, and you can tell also that that uh, how this whole process has been going, uh, improving. You know how it's improving because back in the day, for example for video games or for animated series, the dialogues were horrible. <laughs> and you will and you will get bored or you will or you will be like, what the hell am I watching? You know, that at some point you just they didn't make any sense, you know, especially like in video games or yeah, it's some animated series too, but I don't remember which ones. Um that that the moment is epic or the situation at that moment is, is epic and then the character says the most cheesy line, but he said in the, like, without emotion, and then you're like, are you kidding me? And right now, so, so that was back then, but now to see these huge franchises um, in video games and in movies that they're making, like, their own animated series or video games as well, and they're putting, like, a lot of effort, and you can tell, like, how much effort the actors also do to make it, to make it look really, really, uh, yeah, really good. You know, one of my, one of my favorite videos is the one which is Bradley Cooper, he is doing the voices for Rocket in Guardians of the Galaxy. That yeah. is so hilarious because you can see him like really moving and like pretending he's holding a, like a rifle and screaming and doing, and you're like, yeah, that's really cool. So, yeah. Yeah, like it really is. Sometimes I have to, because I'm in a smaller booth and like um, actors like in big fancy studios, you know, like yeah. they have that room to um, do the motions and and the natural things you do is in order to respond to something um, that um, without like hitting your mic. There have been many times mm -hmm. where I've been, I've done this or I've been like passing something like I can't believe you did that or something in a book and I like hit my mic. Right? <laughs> like uh, it sounds fuzzy and I'm like oh sorry. Like I have to be still but it's also it also helps to do that too so it's really cool yeah. like me like Bradley Cooper or others who um do voice for like Pixar things how yeah. they you know it really does help and inform so yeah it's to me there's yeah a lot of opportunities and it's almost like a lot of the major people in Hollywood want to be in a voice for at least one animated something you know it's yeah. like a thing Uh, to be able to do that and how much fun it is and how memorable those characters are. It's like a great thing to add to your resume for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I also saw uh, one time this interview with Tom Hanks when he uh, when he said about uh, doing like the voice of Woody for Toy Story. And he said that sometimes it would cause him like a heart attack because all of the effort and emotion that Woody for Toy Story had that he's jumping and running and screaming and that at some point he felt like, oh, like I'm going to have a heart attack, but it's really awesome. Uh, and, and because of those amazing performances, that is, that is why we have like so many amazing characters. Uh, in, yeah. Like in the, in the, in the Pixar movies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. No, I mean, it's just, and it's, you have to focus on the voice and focus on like cadence of what you're saying the pacing and articulate yeah. words actually make sense um with but especially you do audiobook but especially trying to match it up with the vocal movements or the physical movements of yeah. an animated character 
that's quite a skill that I would love to break into sometime. I have so immense respect for people who do that. And I almost have a few times, but not yet. We'll see. Maybe someday. Yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. We need to make this uh, viral. We need to put hashtag. All right. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We need, to, we need to make sure that you get into the next uh, Star Trek. That will be epic. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Now, tell me what you will usually do after a day of uh, of voiceover. Like, in order to relax, what is your number one thing? Um, just like going or going on stage to perform, listening to music. Actually, uh, music such a huge part of my life, um, as mm. it is for so people. Um, It's so important uh, to so many people to really help them process things. And yeah. so after voiceover, listening to music, um, usually I will make sure to hydrate a lot. After that, um, uh, hot tea. Usually, mm -hmm. some, um, if I'm having an, if I'm trying to heal to do voiceover, like, and I have like, uh, nose and all the horrible gunky stuff i'll whip out the big guns with throat which yeah. tastes like <laughs> it tastes like really like licorice but like super sweet and it's just like it's too much but it it does work but if it's just de decompressing from a day of doing mm -hmm. my voice healthy lemon and ginger tea or something like that and just like heat on the throat and the vocal fold really helps. Um, and uh, just making sure to kind of rest. If I know it's going to be a big recording day um, or a big singing day, um, and I try not to do those on the same day, just kind of not talking much before or after it. Um, sometimes as a, as a teacher, you know, an adjunct, and whatnot it's been hard to do that <laughs> like I gotta talk to the students but if I can help it try not to wear out the voice too much like going to a football game and screaming and then recording two hours later that's not a good idea so like just you know again restful I like to decompress I like quiet time so that's typically what I do after a day of doing that sort of thing or that's leading so cool. that's so cool and Tell me, what motivates you to keep making some, such epic performances? I mean, that's, that's one of the things that got my attention that uh, while I was checking, like, your whole content, that you do, like, a lot of things. So I wonder, like, what is your motivation to keep up doing really awesome things and keep being so passionate about your about your job? So, yeah. Um, really? And I feel like I've said this five times, but it's just just so true, uh, telling, telling a good story, a story that needs to be told. And that's just yeah. so important to me. I think the arts, especially, and that can be the more formal arts, like, or, or you know, musical theater or whatever it is, to uh, the newer arts popping up, like yeah. voice acting, um, like uh other elements like you know, pod podcasting to me has a lot of arts elements to it in the sense of mm. you're really it's almost like art journalism to me like in terms of all the yeah. things you really incorporate and if you the arts are not uh they're getting a lot of attention but not a lot of support anymore in the grassroots area you know we will pay big bucks to see an IMAX movie or whatever but like you know in terms of people who are really trying to tell stories at the local level um nobody really goes to see them like they should mm -hmm. like they do. even 20 30 years ago people used to be more involved in going to see your local orchestra your local theater group your local band thing. And, you know, arts education, you know, is always the first thing to go. And so all of that to say that now more than ever, we need to prove how important it is to tell a great story worth telling that connects us 
better and helps us understand our lives, you know, now above all. And if I can do that through voiceover or singing a piece or on stage or whatever it may be, that's what I want to do. So that's, that's really my huge motivation throughout all my is that. Wow. That's really awesome. Huh. Cool. That's really cool. Actually. The fact that you want to give like a hundred percent and to that, to achieve that, uh, that, yeah, that excellency and that epic performance as you, as you uh, told me. So that's really cool. Wow. Um, and Elizabeth, thank you. Thank you so much for being here, for being here on the show. Uh, this is a, this is season three finale. So what better way to end it with a, with an amazing epic guest as you. Uh, I can't, I can't Happy. wait. Yeah, I can't wait to see more of your amazing job. Hopefully in Star Trek or in another big franchise. Picture. I mean, we'll, we'll see in the future, right? But I definitely, I'm, I'm confident that you will, that you will get one of those, one of those uh, gigs eventually. I'm super sure about that. So, uh, thank you so much. Um, those who are watching, thank you for tuning in. Those who are listening later on the podcast, make sure that you're following Elizabeth. So, what I will do is that uh, put pause for a while, go follow her, leave a couple of likes or a bunch of them, and then come back. Um, and again, thank you so much. You are super talented and yeah. Thank Thanks again. It's been really fun. Thank you for doing this for sharing our stories. We really appreciate it. I'm happy that you, I'm happy that you like it. And I'm, and I'm also so happy that you, uh, accept. So before I send you off, I need to send you off again with an epic goodbye. So here we go again. Uh, at some point, it's going to be epic. But in the meantime, uh, thank you so much. And uh, I'll see you in the next one then. All right. Awesome. Perfect. Have a good one. You too. Here we go.